For us, we use AI in a number of different ways. The fundamental use case is really to help us to get better and smarter around how we spend our acquisition budget to get the greatest ROI. And so ultimately, what, what we're doing is we're using customer data to try and identify who are the right audiences that we want to be able to attract across the different channels where we're spending our money. And so one of the things we do is we use AI to build up different audience, take different data signals of, of our different audiences to try and build out uh, good, better, best audiences and try to come up with different values that we're willing to spend to acquire those customers from different channels, whether it's like Google or Facebook or tens of t- tens of other channels where we're acquiring customers. Hello, dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of the Want Money, Got Money podcast. I'm your host, Sam Kamani, and my guest today is Lomit. Now, Lomit is someone who knows everything about growth and growing a startup and using AI for your startup. He is, in fact, the author of Lean AI, the best-selling book talking about how to use AI to deliver growth and results for your startup. So without any further ado, let's get into it. So welcome, Lomit. It's great to have you on the show. I've got so many questions about your book, Lean AI. So can you please tell us a bit about your book and how you came about that concept and what inspired you to write that? Hi, Sam. It's a, it's, I'm excited to be on your show today and, and chatting with you, and thank you for the opportunity. Uh, so yeah, with Lean AI, what I would say is I think most people have heard of the book called Lean Startup. It's by Eric Ries. And so the connection there is the company I work with right now called MView. It's the same company that Eric Ries co-founded, and he had written um, that first book, Lean Startup, on. And so you know, I joined MView about four years ago, and I head up growth here so, and one of my reasons coming into the company was to try and help turn around the, the business because it the growth wasn't going in the right direction. So a big part of our success in the last four years has really come from moving from just being like a desktop gaming app to becoming a mobile gaming app. And, and mobile's been huge for us. We've had a lot of success. And and obviously with Eric being, being part of the board observers, seeing a lot of that success. And so I, I reached out to him probably about a year ago and, and, and sort of told him kind of high level that I was sort of thinking about maybe writing this book. and But it was more from the lens that maybe he should write a an update version of his book. And, and he turned around and said, you know what, it's a really good idea because, you know, the truth is, and and I think everybody that's probably listening to this show could relate. Get, getting product market fit or having a great product or service is really just the ticket to get into a game, right? It's, there's no guarantee of success because the success really comes from from acquiring customers and trying to figure out what's the right business model to make money. And so that's what you know my book really focuses on on lean AI. But the way that we the, but the big part of how to do that in this day and age is completely different to how companies were probably doing that even like five or 10 years ago. Because now what we have the big benefit of is data, right? There's so much customer data that's out there. And so the biggest competitive advantage for any startup or, or business is really how quickly do you turn that data into insights that you can take action on? And so that's what the book really talks about it's it's really about helping other entrepreneurs that are looking to 
build a business. And the idea is how do you turn your data into your superpower for growth? And a lot of it provides practical examples and strategies that we ended up employing here at Enview, plus also from other companies that I've talked to here in the San Francisco Bay Area. The, the, the reality is most of the, 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 the really successful companies that are out there, a lot of them don't leverage AI to the extent that we have done at Enview. And the ones that do it is probably a, like a small 5% five, 5 of those companies like uh, Netflix, Uber, Lyft, or like Instacart mm -hmm. or some of these big ones. But the truth is most startup founders don't have access to that type of resources to build this. Absolutely, so, yes. And so in, in my book, what I found when I was speaking at conferences is that the biggest question I, I always got was, that that we don't have the resources to do that. And I said, the reality is you don't need resources because you can be, and, and so when I started showing people how we did it at Enview, it was really a matter of leveraging existing platforms and just connecting some some, some um, data resources together. And like, like we connected a mobile measurement partner to our CRM partners. So we we're able to like integrate all of our data into one place. And once we had the data in one place, then we we're able to leverage AI onto that data and then identify all the different places where we wanted to focus to acquire customers and really be able to learn from different partners. Because what we we're able to do early on was get into a lot of these betas with partners like Google and Facebook and Snapchat and, and TikTok. And so we learned, we, we were really good beta partners for these companies for them to, to train their AI models. But in the process, we got to learn how, they, how their training models worked and how to impact that. And so what I came to, what I came to realize was ultimately and, and is that at, at the bare minimum, companies should integrate all their data and leverage the AI capabilities that are already out there with different platforms. But the next level of what differentiates a good from a great company is how do you personalize an algorithm that's really customized for your business versus the different businesses that you're giving your, your money to, right? And that's a long, short way of talking about what the book goes into. Yes. <laughs> Yes, that, that is very interesting. You mentioned a few different things. First of all, congratulations for taking the growth of MVU to the next stage and identifying that mobile is the way or mobile is the way to go um, forward, not just like desktop. I would love to know a practical example of where you used AI for MVU to say deliver growth. Yeah, um, let, let me give you like two very simple use cases, but fundamentally, one of the things that everybody has when it comes to marketing is a budget, right? You, yeah. Everybody has a, uh, a user uh, acquisition budget, but the, the biggest challenge is where do you, how do you invest that budget to get the, to get the best ROI, the best return on investment on that? And so that was kind of the use case that, um, that, that I started off with because for us, for the most part, we're spending like millions of dollars, right? So there's always pressure to continue to find small incremental improvements because that, that has a profound impact on the bottom line of, of our business. And so one area w w was to really look at the entire customer funnel in, and figure out how could we get better at user acquisition? How could we get better at 
retention and how can we get better at monetization? And so one one example of where AI helped us was really taking a look at all of our data because we get a lot of user data and helped us to build really good audiences that, that we're able to, in real time, be able to identify who are our best lifetime value customers and try to come up with different, like a good, better, best audiences. And then we would we would use that audience data to go and build more lookalike audiences across all the different platforms than where we're spending money. But we but we would be able to predict out how much we're willing to pay for us for a specific user based on how much they're worth to us. For us, we use AI in a number of different ways. The fundamental use case is really to help us to get better and smarter around how we spend our acquisition budget to get the greatest ROI. And so ultimately what what we're doing is we're using customer data to try and identify who are the right audiences that we want to be able to attract across the different channels where we're spending our money. And so one of the things we do is we is that we use AI to build up different audience, take different data signals of, of our different audiences to try and build out uh, good, better, best audiences and, and try to come up with different values that we're willing to spend to acquire those customers from different channels, whether it's like Google or Facebook or tens of, t- tens of other channels where we're acquiring customers. And then what we try to do is when a customer comes in that registers on on our site, then we try to identify within based on actions and behaviors that they're doing within the first 24 to 48 hours, like what's the best way for us to monetize those customers? Because we have a couple of different ways that we monetize at MVU. One is through in-app purchases. The, the other one is through subscription products. And then the third one is through advertising revenue. And so based on how people are interacting with the product, we look at, so we're able to, we've been able to get really good at predicting out, like what's the right personalized experiences we want to show to those new users during the onboarding experience, which is over the course of like seven days to try and get them to take the to try and influence the behaviors and the user journey that they should go through that ultimately leads to the best lifetime value user for us based on how we want to monetize them. And so everything that we do within the product, as well as all of the the customer, the CRM campaigns from in-app, push, and email, as well as retargeting campaigns, all of that is really integrated to try and um, influence the user to take those behaviors and actions um, that we predict out would be the best way for us to monetize them. That makes a lot of sense. The other thing that you did mention that how 5% of the company's successful tech startups are using AI, so the 95% are not using, and all the examples you did give, such as Netflix and Uber and Lyft and all, all those who are using AI in similar ways, such as MView, they all have a large, large data set. For a lot of early stage startups, they don't have a large enough data set. Can AI still be used in those sort of scenarios? Yeah, you bring up a good question, which is the data set is important. But even if you don't have a lot of data, AI can be used in a lot of different ways. But obviously, with more data, you're able to train the algorithm a lot faster. So, you, so you're so able to predict out things 
with higher confidence. But with with less data, it just takes a little bit longer to train the data and to try and get to the to to a higher level of predictability in terms of what are the right insights that you can extract based on that data set. So I feel that, you know, just not having enough data shouldn't be the reason not, not to try AI. But I think you just have to set different expectations in terms of how you want to use how you want to use it for your different businesses. So outside of using it for customer acquisition, for retention, and if you have a subscription business, the way we use it for that is to try and predict out like like based on how people are behaving within the app, like how likely are they to continue to stick around as opposed to what's the likelihood that they might churn or or, or not come back. And and so we're always trying to use data to 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 try and help us to get better at the retention side. And initially, when we started a lot of this, the data, obviously, we have a lot of data, but we started doing these in like, 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 like sm- small segments of like different countries. We didn't really start with our biggest country, for example, the US. We started in some smaller geos where we were testing some of these things out, where the data wasn't as huge as it is now, where we're doing it across the world. But we were still able to get some really good, meaningful insights, even on small data sets. That makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what's your next sort of step or next plan for MVU? Where do you intend to use AI, where you're currently not using it already? Yes. So for us, we've been growing really well as as a business and, and and a big part of our growth has really come from continue to expand the different channels where we spend money to acquire customers as well as increase our footprint globally so going into more countries and so to we're looking to use ai that we haven't used is to continue to get better on our global growth because as we continue to add more countries into the mix where we localize the app it, we want to be able to get a lot better at trying to create even more culturally relevant personalized experiences within the app for new users that we bring on board from different countries. So so that's just continue to get better at creating personalization within the app for different users from around the world, as well as trying to get better at trying to connect users from for the most part, a lot of, I mean, we have millions of users that use our app, but but a lot of them generally connect with people from the same, that speak the same language or from the same country. But I feel there's always opportunities to try and connect people that have similar interests and and hobbies and, and from different parts of the world. And, and so, because a lot of people do still speak English or converse in English in our different chat rooms. So trying to connect people from different countries that are based on interests and and under shared experiences is something that we want to try to use AI for as well, to, to try and connect more people across continents with yeah. each other. That makes a lot of sense. Just thinking about and, and talking about MView, where do you get most of your user acquisitions these days? So so in that question, is, is that more in terms of channels where we spend money or in terms of countries? 
in terms of channels in terms of channels thank you for clarifying yeah so so for us obviously google and um facebook but beyond that i would say because envue is it's a virtual reality social network so yes. so at the end of the day we're a social network so our best sources of acquiring users is from other social networks so so google facebook instagram snapchat tiktok are probably yeah. like really good sources but beyond those we also do a lot on the programmatic dsp side so beyond those uh, dsps we also try to do a lot around trying to create trying to acquire users organically so so we do a lot of work on our app store optimizations we're yeah. always constantly doing a lot of experiments on aso as well as seo and and we do have a desktop is still a pretty viable business for us so yeah. continue to spend a lot of money on just display and sem as well and yeah yeah when you say like google and facebook do you mean organic or is it all paid ads or is there a ratio that you get so many from so we do both very active we have like millions of users fans that engage with us through those different social platforms so we do have presence on that but also we're doing a lot of paid through through those too and paid is is around trying to acquire new customers as well as amplifying a lot of our social content on but one thing i was going to say that works well for us is we have a lot of a lot of our creative assets or is all user generated content because people are creating um different avatars you know, on our app and then they're creating these different virtual worlds where they're interacting and having fun with other virtual friends and so we we take a lot of that content and and then turn that into either like static images or videos and and then try to place a lot of that content on these other social networks and amplify it yeah that's why you would never have um a shortage of content to post on any social network and for like just get a more organic content leverage so yeah that makes a lot of sense how did you end up with this job at im view or yeah did you just apply or, or this is something you always wanted to do how did it all work out it's a really good question yes yeah, so for me i I found out about the MVU opportunity through a, a, a good friend of mine who's a VC and he and I had worked together when I worked at another startup called Roku that ended up doing pretty well and yes. so he wanted he he wanted me to c- come to MVU and, and try to do some of the things that that we had done back at Roku which was really to try to identify w- what's going to be the next area of growth for the business because it had a lot of because MB has a lot of potential but as I'd mentioned at time primarily it was focused on desktop right so mobile yes. was a big opportunity in and, and I had a lot of experience in mobile at the time so he he wanted to try and have me come in and apply some of those so we could get some good early wins versus trying to learn going through a slow adoption of a learning curve yeah yeah and what's your long term plan 5 years 10 years long term plan I- I want to be alive. <laughs> I don't I don't want to get coronavirus if I can help it. But but to be honest, uh, Sam, for me, I always just love learning. 
that's kind of been my philosophy in life. And what and and why I enjoy working at startups is because for the most part, I'm not the person who's going to come up with the product or the, or the service idea. But I love to partner with entrepreneurs who come up with those ideas and, and then help them to sort of turn that into a massive business. And, and I've been fortunate to have worked with some super smart entrepreneurs and had s- some good success. And so in the next five to 10 years, I, w- you know, I would want to, I know MVUs can, is, is, is on a path to becoming another success story. But, you know, the idea is after MVU, I'd love to work with another entrepreneur uh, and, and hopefully be able to make an impact where it, it can provide and make the world a better place, right? Because ultimately, that companies are like that I enjoy working for end up disrupting something in one way, shape, or fashion. And I think it's the reason why you, you like being in startups too, right? As it's it's always about challenging the status quo. It's about trying to take something and finding a better way to do it, right? And the challenge with all startups is that you don't have a big window to really prove out if this is going to be successful or not. So you want to try to be able to to bring in a good team of people and just try a lot of things really quickly, right? And figure it out. And and so that's the fun part for me because working at any business, it's just going through that process of trying to figure it out. Because it, at the end of the day, it's the journey that's more interesting than the destination. Oh, Hundred percent agree with that, and yes, it is just so much fun and just so much energy and and all that. Do you know or have you come across any startup in the last little while that is still a bit under the radar, but you think they have got a really good product market fit, or they they are potentially on a sitting on a rocket ship that is going to be well known in the next five years or seven years or something like that? Have you come across any products like that recently? Any products like that recently? So what I what I will say is that more than coming across products, areas where I see a lot of potential yeah. in the next in the near future is really going to be around a whole area of health and education. I'm seeing a lot of startups starting to pop up, whether it's around digital health, but the idea or around better ways for people to learn something. And I feel with this pandemic. It, it's just accelerated the whole ecosystem in terms of how quickly people have to adopt to spending most of their life on a digital device. And I feel that it's also enabled people to sort of change the way that they're going to interact and think about things. So whether that's how they interact about medicine or or around how they want to learn new things, and even finance. I think there's a big boom going on in the fintech space now as well. Yes. And I feel, and I think you had mentioned this, but but I think anything around gamifying ways to get people to do the right thing yes. is, is, you know, anything that can do that is, is going to be a big business. And yes. I feel at a very simplistic level, saving an investment, is huge, but how many people end up saving money at the end of the day? Not a lot, right? But if you can gamify that experience and, and get people and make it easy for them and, and try to automate a lot of these processes, then that's those those sort of businesses are, are going to do well because for the most part, 
think of the think of the next generation. It's it's not just millennials, but Gen Z have spent their whole life on digital. So any so it's, it's so so they're going to be able to take to anything like that a lot faster than people people that are older, right? And so I would say building businesses that are really going to appeal to the Gen Z. It's, it's all around self-expression, giving them control, but, but also providing, making it easy to, and simplistic in doing the things that will, will make life better and easier for them. And tying it to some kind of mission, because a lot of people now, especially in that generation, uh, are mission-focused. That's yes. the glue that, that gets them to, to really be part of a, something bigger than themselves. And I feel the moat for any business is really going to come down to community, building a huge community. That's going to become the, the key value for any business because once you have a community, then you have an inherent huge value there because that becomes your loyalists. That becomes your marketing engine, your growth engine. Everything comes from having that community. Yep. I firmly believe that even before the product, even before the MVP, focus on the community because if you have a community, you would really understand their problems and and pain points. So for my next product, I want to build a community first and build the product and work on the product as I build a community instead of build, building a product first and then building a community after. So yeah, I think that sequence needs to be addressed. I think for anyone building a product, build a community first, product second. So I only agree with you 100%. Yeah, yeah. So final um, question or second final question, and that is if you had unlimited time, resources and money, what would you build or what would you work on? That's a really good question. Uh, what I would say is that I would still work. I wouldn't stop working because, you know, but, but in terms of passion projects, you yeah. know, I, I, I feel um, just going back to what I was saying, uh, I have two kids and I've seen, obviously, for the most part, education is so important. But the way education is being delivered, and I'm just talking about like U.S. schools here primarily, but they're trying to tr- – Education can become so much better because right now it treats everyone as sort of being the same. But the thing is, everybody has different learning styles, different ways to to, to try and learn and grow. And I feel just like we try to do with other products, we try to create all these things around personalized experiences. I think education and having trying to create personalized education experiences for, for the younger generation, I think could be huge. And it's a noble cause that should be solved with technology because ultimately if you can if you can democratize access to really good education for all kids not just kids that live in the right neighborhood or or come yes. from the right family that's the only way you're going to you you're going to be able to to pull out people from poverty because i mean Absolutely. for the most part i mean at least for me in families that i grown up with you know that was our ticket out of poverty was education <laughs> that is it is the ticket out for anyone they say that if a country doesn't invest in education they will have to invest in prisons later on so <laughs> so it is as unfortunate as it is yeah there's just two things for any country to develop and that is education and healthcare. as as long as those two things are right everything else falls in its place <laughs> and as you said earlier as well that those are the two key things where 
where you see the most opportunity that exists in the next five, 10 years as well. Not, not only in US, all around the world, I see as well. Yeah. And finally, do you have asked, are you looking for anything? Are you looking for employees, team members, investors, customers, anything? So for me, one of the reasons for writing the book was really to sort of give back Having kind of gone through the struggles of building startup businesses, it's it's hard and it's very challenging. You know, it's very challenging. So I I would encourage anyone that that's kind of going through that journey right now to check out my book. It's Lean AI, and it really provides kind of a roadmap in terms of once you have a product, especially in this day and age, how how do you take the product and quickly scale it into a huge business and how do you, and how do you use data to really sort of inform you to become the guide for leveraging um, AI and data to really propel that business on a trajectory at a much faster rate than most of the startups are going right now. And, and a lot of the strategies that, that probably makes sense, right? Because once you kind of know the options and, then it's a lot easier to sort of pick the right one versus trying 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 to try out a couple of things and in the process losing money and as a trick for any startup it is to not run out of money right yes <laughs> that is right and so <laughs> there's only few ways one is you have either investment and have your burn, burn rate low. And then the other one is revenue and customers, which is a yeah. long-term, more sustainable thing to do. That's right. That's right. So thank you, Lomit. Thank you so much for your time. You've given some excellent advice for all of our listeners. And yeah, we I wish you the best of luck for MVU and also for Lean AI. Thanks, Sam. It's been great. Great being here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.